0: It's Wednesday, September 24th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill joining me in studio today from Motley Fool One, Jason Moser, and from Motley Fool Pro and Options Jim Gillies. Happy Wednesday, gents. Happy baby. From Max Hemdamoff, who's self identified as a member of multiple services and longtime listener number 666. Evil. Uh oh. Max writes, It's not earnings season? Great. Let's stop by Jeff Fisher's office again and invite him to the show for the rest of the week. And as long as Jim Gillies is in town, him too. Let's talk about options. Great job, guys. Fool on. Let's clear something up. Jeff Fisher doesn't have an
1: office. There is no <laughs> Jeff Fisher office. Although he probably should. It's you know, more of a cubby. He I might, think. Yeah, he might deserve one. He could probably um, have just an options podcast. I mean, that's a pretty robust topic, isn't it?
0: Oh, let's let's not <laughs> let's not go there, just. Not yet. that I would listen, but uh, we'll dip into the full mailbag. We will talk about the latest from BlackBerry, and yes, BlackBerry is in the news today. But let's start with Bed Bath and Beyond, and we don't really focus on. Wall Street analyst reports. But I'd like to, in this case, because I think it's worth pointing out that just before Bed Bath & Beyond reported their second quarter earnings, an analyst from William Blair came out with a report, r- very bearish on Bed Bath & Beyond, issued a downgrade. And that's one of those things where, I, I, again, I don't pay attention all that much. But when these types of reports come out within 24 hours of earnings, for better or for worse, my default thinking is, well, th- that person may be on something because I, I don't think you issue that report unless you're 100% sure that's a lock. That ain't the case yeah, here. You because... are either going
2: to look really smart or really stupid. <laughs> yeah, and, and it is case, the latter,
0: because uh, second quarter profits for Bed Bath & Beyond came in higher than expected. They raised their guidance for the seven, uh, second half of the fiscal year. Um, this was a quarter that surprised a lot of
1: people. Yeah, in in honor of of former producer Matt Greer, I am going to lead with my strong statement here and, and ask the question: Is this a stock I want to own? Absolutely no. I do not want to own this stock, even after this report. Uh, I mean, we we've I think been a, a bit critical of Bed Bath and Beyond over the past couple of years, and I think rightfully so. I mean, they've been they've been facing a lot of headwinds, not just from a, a picky and and you know crimped consumer, but really, I mean, it, it's just. The thing that surprises me with this company still is they still they don't have really any kind of an online strategy, and we're seeing more and more uh, you know e-commerce is is continuing to to take. More market share, more mind share, and and you look at Amazon.com is obviously the beast out there that everyone has to be aware of. But even Wayfair.com, we talked about before. Wayfair.com is going to be going public here soon, and uh, you know that that's a company that's doing over a billion dollars in revenues now, growing like gangbusters. And when you look at Bed Bath and Beyond, I mean, it it just it's it's a mess. You got to go to the store, you can't find what you're looking for. It's just you you kind of go in there and you think, oh well, maybe I'll find something I want. They they gin up yeah, but traffic. Yeah,
0: some, someone's buying. Something. Someone's
1: buying stuff. But I tell you, the reason why they go there is because they gin up traffic by sending those coupons in the mail every every week. I mean, I, I even get those coupons in the mail they go immediately to the garbage. But I mean, <laughs> I, I think that when you have a you have a company that's ginning up traffic only by offering those deals, you can see it in the gross margin line over the past five years. That gross margin line continues to get put uh, you know pushed down. It, it's forcing management's hand to to really manage that bottom line better. Uh, I, I question. Uh, Taking out one point five billion dollars in debt here, and and then authorizing another two billion dollars in share buybacks, uh, they've proven themselves to not be very good at buybacks. Buying back a lot of shares at historical highs. Uh, in their defense, that's not the case right now. Not right now. This is
0: this is a stock in 2013 was up nearly forty five percent. It's obviously given back a lot of those gains this year, but. You know, at least
1: it's it's say what you want. At least, at least they're not buying the stock back at eighty. Exactly. They're, they're is, you know, we, we like looking for those companies where we're trying to buy and hold for five, six, seven, ten years. This is not one of those stocks. This is more of kind of a value investment where you want to get it where you know the pessimism is really high, like it like it has been, um, and, and then be ready to sell. You know, when, when the stock starts performing very well. And, and so, I mean, folks who who got in. A couple of days ago are probably feeling pretty good right now. I would I would, I would, think you'd probably be thinking about selling now because <laughs> I still don't, yeah. like, still don't like this company. But uh, yeah, it, it was a decent quarter.
2: So in case you're wondering, Jason really doesn't like this company.
1: <laughs> I picked that up. I yeah, think it's, it's a
2: fair statement. <laughs> um, we already had a request to talk options. Anyone want to talk options on I these do? guys? Yeah, yeah, let's do it. This, By all means. Well, you know, and... From a perspective of yeah, do you want to hold this for five, six, seven years, or you know our favorite holding period is forever? You know, par- paraphrasing the Buffets and Lynches of the world, you probably don't want to do that in Amazon world with uh, Bed Bath ba- Bed bath, and Beyond. Um, but there are some option strategies you could play with this here, which are predicated on the stock going nowhere. And you know it is trading at about six times EBITDA. It's trading at about fourteen times earnings. Uh, You say they're taking on debt. I mean, it's a debt-free balance sheet right now, at least according to the numbers in front of me. So they've got some room to take on debt. They do make a lot of cash. And if you could temper your expectations to, hey, I want the stock to go nowhere, there are some strategies uh, to pursue that.
0: Part of what is fueling the rise today, and the stock is up around... 7%. I was going to say about 7%. Um, at, At least part of this today is... People who have shorted the stock and are covering their shorts. When it comes to options, do you, does that matter to you? Or, and if so, to what extent? Do you like to, it, when you see that a stock has either an increasing short interest or just a large short interest, does that make you more interested? Does that have no effect on what your option strategy is?
2: It depends. Okay. Um, I, I would like to know. As best you can, what the reason for the high short interest is? Uh, there's a company that's uh, recommended by multiple foolish, foolish services. Um, uh, it's called Portfolio Recovery Associates. Uh, it's very popular on Fooldom. It's been a great company, great investment for the past decade plus. Um, portfolio Recovery for the last decade has had about a 15 to 20 percent short interest. Wow! Uh, now this is the best in breed in what they do, which is debt collection. Uh, They are run by excellent management. They have returned approximately 20% annually for the past decade, 19-20%. And there has been a 20% persistent short interest on it. And why? We, I, I, if you, <laughs> you can figure it out, let probably, me know. It's
1: probably the nature of their line of work, though, wouldn't you think? I mean, they're credit collectors. Sure, collectors, right? But
2: I mean, like this is—you know—there is you know, there's no structural reason that I've seen, and I've looked, and I—you've you know, heard different things that you know the market tops, or when when the market for charged-off debt's been expensive, then you know you understand that. But uh, honestly, after ten years of looking at, it, no idea why. So with these guys. Is it short covering or people running around and that you know you probably let you probably I, I have a rule that I don't tend to do anything stocks or options on big move days I just kind of sit on the sidelines and you know wait for a few days so uh, this has actually been on my radar for a go nowhere strategy for a while um, never pulled the trigger you know I'll probably come back to it in a week and take a look and say well maybe maybe now is time to do something is there
0: anything. Uh I just want to go back to what you said Jason it, it, it sounds like to the extent that you would be interested in it all they would need, they would have to come out with some sort of significant increase in online sales or new strategy or something in the third quarter the fourth quarter like it sounds like you would for you to look at them you would need to say well wait a minute it sounds like they've made significant strides in their online strategy.
1: Yeah, and I mean that that, that certainly would catch my attention. I mean it it's it certainly the stock could do very well from here. I mean I mean it's, stocks go up, stocks go down. I mean the, the stock price has been cheap for a reason for a long time and and I'm sure that if they continue to bring in a few few decent quarters here the, the stock price will start to, to start to reflect that more. Uh, but I think generally speaking it's it's the the bigger the greater long-term trend towards e-commerce. Uh, you know, the costs associated with, with maintaining such a large physical footprint. Um and, and you know, their reliance really on ginning up a lot of traffic via discounts and coupons and, and, you know, fire sales. To me, I just feel like there are easier ways to make money out there and, and I'd like to be able to buy companies that I can just kind of ignore and, and you know, go back to every year and look at them and say, wow, five, six, seven, ten years down the road, I'm still happy I have that. I think that with, with Bed Bath and Beyond, you, you'd have to pay really close attention to this one. But I, I also, I like Jim's point there about option strategies, because you can find companies like this that, yeah, maybe you don't want to hold them for a long time, but if you, if you do like uh, you know, employing option strategies, they're, they're, certainly, they're certainly abound.
0: Blackberry has come out with a brand new phone called the Passport uh, for the cool price of $599, uh, getting a lot of attention, in part because it is square-shaped. It is uh, like they've gone back to the future on this one. Um, <laughs> it's l- large screen, the the buttons for typing on the keyboard, like they, which is part of what I think people liked about it in the past. Um, is this gonna help them,
2: Jim? This is as the guy who lives twenty minutes away from uh, Blackberry's <laughs> head office. Uh,
0: yes, yes.
2: And has seen and has seen the damage to Waterloo, Ontario that Blackberry's slow immolation has done.
1: If you talk badly about them, what your house can Yeah, I was
2: gonna say I might I might go back to a smoking crater. <laughs> um, this is the ugliest phone I've ever seen. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is, no, no. You've,
0: there are a bunch of reviews online, and and, and and there are a
2: lot of people love it. Like and,
0: and there are and there are a lot of features that people love. But the, the headline on the review on the Washington Post website is something like, "This is one really weird phone." Like it was. Yeah,
2: and and I'm look, I'm a fan of the odd, and the thinking outside the box the problem is and and i want as a canadian i would like to see blackberry do well just because you know national pride we don't have very many tech companies left of of any heft um and i know that people who have historically preferred the blackberry um i mean people who like typing on a physical keyboard i mean like you you have to rip the blackberry out of their hands and this sounds like they've got a lot of innovations in this. With the the keyboard is a little different. The some of the keys will appear on the touch screen above it. Uh, it's a very sensitive and like you know you can swipe the keys itself and it will read and you know there's word suggestions and what have you. Um, all that said, there's been so much destruction in <clears throat> the market share of this company. They've gone from over twenty percent to less than one percent market share, and tech, you know, appliances, if you will. They tend to converge around certain standards, and BlackBerry is just not in the inside of those standards. And so, how many how many iPhone users or people who how many people who were going to go buy the new iPhone six, for example, um, are going to look at this and say, "Well, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna depart from the iOS operating system, and I'm gonna go over to no people people tend to perpetuate what they know. I just replaced my iPhone and you know i thought about some android i'm like oh you know what i'm already kind of in the ecosystem i've got an ipad i've got apple tv it's just easier and the iphone does what i need it and how are you how is blackberry going to get people weaned off the iPhones or the samsung devices onto this apparently long live long battery life brick and <laughs> and i i it's an interesting looking phone but you know and even the even the wording that's going to be coming out of the company today is like you know various levels of management over time says yeah we're kind of surprised we're releasing this too because we've canceled all kinds of other product, right. projects <laughs> we're not
1: it surprised even itself yeah
2: so it's kind of like well it looks neat and you know if you ever see one in the wild let me know because i don't think we'll see too many of them well so we... you
1: know what this made me think of and i mean we're all parents here so i don't feel so badly saying this so i probably know a little bit too much about kids tv but uh the show i carly yes. has the pair phone and so that's what this this made me think of was just like just a bizarre shape i mean it's It it just, I've I've seen it compared to actually the same uh, dimensions as a piece of American cheese.
2: (laughs) I was going to say it as an actual passport.
1: Like, I mean, it it, it apparently is the same dimension, at least width, I guess, as as a piece of American cheese.
0: Well, Jim, you touched on something that I think is uh, an indiscernible yet very present line that I think a lot of consumers are not willing to cross when it comes to technology and the line is I just don't care. And and what I mean by that is someone trying to convince me that well if you get this phone you know this is faster and this and and at some point it's like you know what this is good enough. This is good enough for the things I do mm-hmm. and barring a radical Upgrade or a completely new device in the way that the iPad was a completely new even the category. iPhone.
2: I mean, the iPhone in 2007, yeah. you know, BlackBerry. I would argue, laughed at the iPhone coming out. You know, BlackBerry was on top of the mountain at that point. In time. Oh yeah, you know, and market share was this. north of forty yeah. percent. The security
1: they was invented the, cat-
0: the category unparalleled. Yeah. Um,
1: it's interesting. What you're seeing now is this move towards enterprise mobility management where these companies like uh, Mobile Iron and uh Others, AirWatch, I think, which was recently uh, purchased by VMware, uh, but they're the companies that are building the operating systems, the mobile operating systems for businesses, so that you and and I and Jim we can choose whatever device we want to use and still access you know our work information securely. So for what BlackBerry was known so well for for so long with that with that secure uh, enterprise system, I mean they're really being phased out now because not only is the hardware obsolete, but really so is the operating system, and that's really in trouble. I think. with and that
0: and that's one of those things. That you know, even if you're like me and you really don't know a whole lot about technology, but you work with people who do, um, or you have friends who work in IT or anything like that, that that is an insightful conversation you can have where you just ask, "What are you seeing in IT? What do you, what do you see in terms of how businesses are spending money?" Because I remember a few years ago talking with some of the people in our tech department, talking about that very topic of As a business, we are no longer going to support. We are no longer going to spend money to support people who are using BlackBerry. You know that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So it, it is. It is a way to sort of get insight into how businesses are. Because you know, any one of us can decide to go out and buy a single device. But if you work at a company of any sort of significant size, or you have friends who work at a company of any significant size. All of a sudden, the technology dollars
2: being spent get real big, real fast. You know what this reminded me of? Do tell. Does anyone remember the Garmin Nuvi phone?
1: Yes. Yeah. I actually don't. Yes. The this Nuvi was
2: this phone. was Garmin. So the Nuvi's are the are the the navigation <laughs> devices you get your car, right? Right. And they brought out a smartphone, and it was delayed and delayed and delayed. And this sounds like this been delayed a few times. And again, like I said, it sound like management was kind of surprised right. themselves that they released it. <laughs> It was out for, I think, a couple of quarters and discontinued. Yeah. So the, And it, I never saw one in the wild. So if it yeah. was out for a
0: couple of quarters, that may make it more successful than the Microsoft Kin. Do you remember that, the Kin yes, phone? Yes,
2: what, the what, last four months? Uh, if that. Yeah.
1: And uh. I suspect the Amazon Fire phone is probably right on the same path. I oh, Yeah. I mean, the technology in that phone is is very interesting, and I think you probably there's more value just in the technology that they develop in that phone. But yeah, I mean, now the Amazon Fire Phone they're selling for ninety nine cents with a two year contract, so <laughs> done I, and I don't done. think that's an indicator that sales are going well.
0: You can email us radio at fool dot com is our email address. Uh, question from Jeremy Hopkins who writes in today's USA Today, the front page article is about aging gas lines. The worry is that the higher concentration of aging and riskier steel or cast iron gas lines are in higher populated cities, such as New York. What sort of risk does this pose to utility companies financially as they face a growing need to replace the lines? Is there some sort of hedge investors can make towards these risks, or is this just one more danger of investing?" I turn to the gentleman at the end of the table, (laughs) whose eyes probably lit up at the word,
2: is there a hedge? The the former engineer. Yes. my inclination on this article is bother me with something more important. So, so for people who are saying, I look at this for this people is, asking
0: how big a deal is this. You're saying this I is d-
2: almost no deal. I don't think it's a big deal at all. Um, infrastructure ages. Infrastructure needs to be replaced. Um, I believe, as I was reading through it, it th- this tends to be the people who are hurt by this, and I think they said on average it's about 21 people a year are killed by gas lines that explode. For whatever reason, that reason may include just age and degradation. It may include um, someone breaks the line inadvertently. Uh, some of the uh, examples in the articles, they talk about the, the need for steel and cast iron gas lines to be replaced, but they, then they show catastrophic photographs. Well, that was, actually a, that was actually a plastic line that got hit. Well, okay, that, then that has nothing to do with this issue over here. Uh, twenty-one people a year—it's tragic, yes. I'm not saying otherwise, but how many people are killed per year in cars? Right. I mean, that, that, I would suggest to you across North America, twenty-one people per day is probably—you know—the number of people killed by in Disney. I mean, right. you know. So we there there are risks, and we have these risks, and 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 moreover, we have uh, the analogy I would make, and although it's obviously from a from a the. The number, you know, the, the harm done, uh, the water infrastructure. So drinking water, for example, there has been talk, and I'm a former drinking water engineer, <laughs> former environmental engineer, so it's something really in my wheelhouse. Um, the the decaying and aging infrastructure in that space has been the subject of technical reports for decades, decades, and, that, and they'll they'll point to, oh, this city still has wooden water pipes, and you start to think how that might work. Right. Okay. And you know, and, and and they talk about that. That has been the subject for years and years and years and years and years, and it has not improved. And there's been no real push to change it. Things are done on schedules, you know. And okay, well this this month we're going to replace this section over here. I kind of look at that. I kind of look at the the natural gas thing as well. Okay, we have all the we have these people who are harmed per year, and that's that's a good headlining. But the ultimate issue is that you know there's so much gas lines and the most of the time they're not a big deal and the gas lines do what they're supposed to for a very long time infrastructure uh all over the place is used far longer than its supposed natural life and moreover the examples that were presented are often you know one time kind of acute things versus the perceived chronic problem so these companies are going to have insurance they're going to have schedules uh, i would think that you know the amount of actual incremental risk that this aging infrastructure poses for the utility companies is in my opinion probably close to zero but i open to jason to tell me why i'm wrong
1: no i actually <laughs> i wholeheartedly agree oh, i mean well, if you if you go to the american society of civil engineers on the internet i mean you you would you would gauged by their assessment of our infrastructure that that the entire country is getting ready to explode. Well, and and that's my point, at least on the water thing. I mean,
2: and and we've had recommendations of, you know, uh, I've seen thesis where we'll buy this because the water infrastructure is aging. And I'm like, yes, and I was reading this report 20 years ago in school, and it was the same problem then. Yeah, it's been
1: like a D plus, you know, in perpetuity. And so I think that you... I mean, I think Jim hit the nail on the head. I mean, the, the good thing for uh, investors, I mean, there is no real risk because the the energy companies, the utility companies that deliver all this, you know, water and energy to us, I mean, they can take take out debt ad nauseum because they have to exist, right? I mean, we need, uh, you know, that that infrastructure, so they can take out pretty much. As much debt as you want, <laughs> you're going to see those, those balance sheets with a lot of debt outstanding. Uh, those, those costs for you know upgrading those infrastructures whenever they need to are passed along to us, the consumers. <laughs> um, that's why you don't see those utility companies doubling, but they typically will, will offer up at least some sort of a dividend that keeps uh, income investors relatively happy.
0: Thanks for being here, guys. Sorry to be it. such a downer. No. <laughs> As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and the Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market Foolery. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.